0: In the fall of 2020 I received a bundle of transcripts and a note asking me to speak for the dead when they themselves cannot. I do not know what these stories contain but I am asking you not to fear. Though the dead may speak through us, they can do us no harm. These are The Graveyard Chronicles. Transcript 21. Holy Night. There was one week left until Christmas. It was a strange one for me. I've always been used to having a lot of people around me at that time of year. My siblings, my mum, my mum's boyfriend, cousins, uncles, aunts, aunts, We usually have a big party, with lots of food, and presents, and crackers, and then after we finish eating, we go out to whichever pub is nearest, and meet our friends for drinks. It's always been a social occasion, but it wasn't that year. I'd moved to London a few months earlier. Most of my family still lived up north. I really wanted to come see them for Christmas, but... Unfortunately, I was too late in asking my job for a few days off over Christmas. They couldn't spare any more people. And so, I had to stay in London, all alone. I tried making the best of it, but in all honesty, it was terribly depressing. It's not that I was the only lonely person in London over the holidays. I think a lot of Londoners are lonely at that time of year. We just never talked to each other about it. I finished work late that day. It was way past dinner time, and I was starving, but somehow I didn't feel like going home. It would be too empty in that apartment, all by myself, knowing I had to spend the next week there in complete solitude. So instead, I bought a toasty and a to go coffee. And then I went for a walk around the city. In general, London is quite noisy. I suppose all big cities are. But, if you're lucky, you can find these quiet little side streets where it seems like time suddenly stands still. I managed to find one of those that day, which brightly lit up by the street lamps, a narrow street that led down to a church, I wasn't sure I'd seen it before. But then again, there are plenty of churches in London, and I hardly know all of them. I threw the remains of my dinner in a bin, then began walking towards the church, not thinking of much, when a sound startled me. I jumped, spilling coffee all over myself. It was only a dog, leaning out of a car window, barking at me. I breathed out a sigh of relief, but the dog didn't stop barking. Instead, it was as if it barked even more ferociously after I noticed it. I felt, it sounds crazy, but I felt like it was trying to tell me something. It was the way that it looked at me so intensely while it barked on and on, probably driving half the neighbourhood mad. I cast the thought aside and went on down the street. Around the church, little lights hidden on the pathways and on the grass lit up the building, giving it an otherworldly air. Is that why they light up churches at night? I suppose it might be. Suddenly, I felt an urge to go inside. God's house is supposed to be open to everyone, isn't it? Especially the lonely. Inside, the light was warm and welcoming. About a dozen candles or so had been lighted by the altar, orange flames dancing playfully while the candle wax dripped onto the floor. I sat down on one of the pews and tried to remember what to do in churches. There would clearly be no sermon tonight. Maybe there would be a midnight mass. Nonetheless, I was either too early or too late to participate in anything social. So, I decided that the right thing to do would be to pray, or at least look like I was praying. I put my hands together and glanced up at the altar. It was strange how quiet it was there, so different from the bustling, busy life outside. Couldn't quite decide whether I found it eerie or comforting. I began praying quietly. Almighty God, we bless you for uh, life and for your um, everlasting mercy and the grace we have received. The grace we receive. This was hopeless. I hadn't been to church in years and I couldn't remember a single prayer. What was I even doing there anyway? I got up from the pews and began walking towards the door. A clanging noise, like something metal hitting a hard floor, reverberated through the church. I turned around quickly. There was no one around. Hello? I called out. Is anyone here? Nothing. I shrugged, thinking it was probably just the priest or a chaplain or something. They'd like to just drop something on the floor. Sound carries foreign churches, lots of echo and all that, and hadn't heard me calling out from where they were standing. I was about to put my hand on the door leading outside when I noticed something on my fingers. They were tainted red. I examined my hands but there were no scratches or wounds at all. I must have brushed against something wet. I looked at my fingers closely. It wasn't paint. Someone must have been hurt here. I made a quick decision. Probably a bad one. I turned back and walked towards the altar calling out. Is anyone here? I think someone might be hurt. I'd reached the altar. A large, imposing painting of Jesus, surrounded by little children, adorned with gold, rose up before me. The faces of the kids seemed to have been painted in haste. They hardly had any discernible features at all. A new sound caught my ears. A muted sort of sound, like something being dragged. I noticed that on the left side of the altar there was a door slightly ajar. I walked over and opened it. Inside, on the floor, lay a man in clerical clothing. Tufts of white hair on the back of his head, were tainted red. His eyes were closed. If it wasn't for the blood, I would have thought he might have simply been asleep. That was actually what disturbed me most, that I couldn't see at first that he was dead. I would have liked to have seen it sooner. Maybe that would have given me time to leave. But as it was, I just stood there, staring uncomprehendingly at the body on the floor. I'd been so focused on the priest that I hadn't noticed someone else was in the room with us. Someone I could see standing against the wall, just out of the corner of my eye. He was a small man, wiry and dusty looking and dressed all in black. He looked quite normal, even rather good looking in a way, except for his wiry arms and dusty clothes. Though I'm sure he must have seen me come into the room, it was as if he didn't notice me at first. Maybe he just didn't care that I was there. He walked over to the body, crouched down and began petting the white tufts of hair on the priest's head, a disturbingly tender gesture. His mouth opened and he started talking in a monotone voice. You have tried, Father. You really have. And I appreciate that. But it has done you no good. Remember Matthew's words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You have cried out for him, but he won't listen. You have made yourself a man of God, all for nothing. I'd frozen on the spot. I didn't want to draw any unnecessary attention to myself. But it was inevitable that sooner or later the man petting the priest's hair would turn to me and just as I had thought, he removed his eyes from the dead man and looked straight into mine. A strange gleam appeared in them. Mother? he said surprised and almost joyfully. I didn't know if it was best to confirm or deny this crazy assumption so I just smiled at him. He rushed over and embraced me, repeating over and over again, mother, mother, how long it's been. My eyes darted across the room, desperately looking for any means of escape, something to use as a weapon, or a window, or another door to escape through. And there were all these things, I just couldn't get to them. I was held tightly by this disturbed lonely man who thought that I was his mother. Suddenly, I felt his body stiffen. He put his hands on my arms, holding a little too tight, and leaned back so that he could look at me. Don't you know that a child left to himself brings shame to his mother? Are you not a woman of God? I wanted to find a way to distract him. Something. Anything. But my mind was blank. I didn't even rightly know what to say to ease his crazed mind. I... Am. Was all I said. It had been the wrong thing to say. His face contorted in anger... There were no longer any beautiful features to find in it. You are a liar, mother. No woman of God could leave her son. You left me. He looked back on the priest. He left me. I was all alone. But but it doesn't have to be this way. You... You don't have to be alone. I'm here now. See, I'm, I'm here. My whole body was shaking. I felt like I was going to throw up. I never knew fear could do that to you. The man moved his hands and put them on either side of my throat. He looked calmer now, more composed. He stroked my neck gently. It's too late. I have sinned. I am beyond salvation. I might as well finish the job, and then he tightened his grip on my throat. I felt the air being forced out of me. No, please stop i'm I'm not your mother, liar. He thundered and squeezed tighter. Then he started crying as he was choking the life out of me and I felt my legs give way. My murderer began to cry, pitifully, pathetically. You can't even recognise your own son. I didn't have enough air left in me to say anything. Black. Dots, growing in size by the second, filled up my vision field. His tears fell and hit my forehead. With his hand still on my neck, he bowed over and kissed me. Goodbye, Mother. The last bit of air left my lungs, and the face of the man who thought he was my son, Disappeared from view. The Graveyard Chronicles is a podcast written and directed by Lizzie van Trambe. Subscribe to The Graveyard Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Thank you for listening.